Okay, we're uh, we're live. You, so when you did your podcast, like, uh, what were the challenges you felt you faced? Mostly, like, you know, uh, in terms of getting your content out in front of your viewers or the listeners. Like, what were the main main challenges? Like, you know, you you thought you faced whether like in terms of the content or or like purely in terms of like how to target your content to the right uh, people like you know you want your uh, podcast to be featured in front of so like what were the challenges you faced yeah so so when i first started the the main issue that i had was finding a hosting service that i liked i uh-huh. I, I tried doing my own coding or having or working with a friend to to develop a hosting site um but that was super duper tough it's just not really worth it with with however many hosting services there are now. So instead of doing all of that work, um, I had a lot of help from a friend, Carlos, who lent me all of the recording stuff, kind of showed me how everything works and microphones and a soundboard and everything like that. So I was really fortunate in that way. Aside from that, I found that I, I really wanted things to grow organically and still do. I don't, I haven't, I haven't made a big, marketing plan or anything like that i just kind of post them and i have the occasional person that sends me a message and really enjoys it but it's Uh it's really it's really been something that's more of a low-key thing that i do that i haven't put a a ton a ton a ton of effort into cutting up video because i know that's something that i think that i'll end up doing in the near future is Uh actually cutting video up and putting video onto or sorry, cutting uh, cutting audio and putting it onto video clips, and then creating more of an accessible platform through um, TikTok and Instagram and stuff like that, so that you can reach more people. But for the meantime, yeah, yeah. it's just it's just been real natural growth. Um, I think the most challenging part of it was actually uh, editing, because at the start I wanted to kind of cut them down a little bit and make them more just smaller bits because right now they're they're full-length conversations that last an hour to two hours which i a lot of people aren't super keen on i had a few professors and stuff that i did them with that told me nobody's going to listen to these if they're longer than 20 minutes yeah. nobody's going to listen to a podcast yeah. longer than 20 minutes and that's so, correct like the attention span of people is so so short right now mm-hmm. nowadays yeah, yeah I, that's good yeah i think that i, I think people are able to use their their time that they would have been focused on other things a little bit more now. Mm-hmm. I think audiobooks and podcasts are a good example of that, where you can turn your two hour commute into work or your one hour commute or whatever, and yeah. you can turn that into yeah. something a little bit more. You can learn things. So I think that's kind of what I was going after. And I, I tried editing, but the sound of my voice I found was super annoying. I, I could hear all of the, all of the weird syntax things that I do in my language that I didn't like. I used to, I used to say like a lot during conversations. Yeah. I would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, and then it was like this and then it was like that. And, and I found, I found that very, very frustrating. So I, uh, decided not to yeah. cut my audio or anything like that and just post it yeah. as a raw file. And so that took a huge amount of work away from it. But I think in the future, it'll be good to start cutting up the most significant pieces of an episode and then having yeah. those as a little bit more of a teaser. Like you can even like, you know, uh, I saw a few people, they, they were putting out like kind of like bloopers, like behind mm-hmm. the scenes. 
mm-hmm. just like uh, in videos to to show people like what what was happening behind the scenes yeah and you know kind of like attract people towards like uh, uh towards their podcast in a way to depict like everything is genuine and more real mm-hmm. as in opposed to like being scripted so what are your thoughts about like you know a podcast being scripted rather than like being natural what, what what did you think and what did you gain from your experience like while recording them like were you more inclined towards them being scripted or were you more inclined them you know towards being like natural so i've i've always done them naturally mm-hmm. which i think both i think each of them have their their merits and their pros and their cons and so with the scripting it's a lot easier to get all of the information that you'd like to address out there right away you develop a script and you know exactly what you're going to say and how you're going to say it and you practice it and you you get a lot better at reading and and speaking from from that sense yeah plus you and, can also control the time right yeah yeah totally uh, time control is a really is a really big factor especially with people that are wanting to shorten the lengths of their podcasts or yeah. make the information as to the point and accessible as possible I think the mm-hmm. issue with that is that any I think that would actually be a really good means of going about an an individual person doing a podcast so only talking yeah. only talking to the camera basically or talking to your audience rather than having a dialogue I uh-huh. think what ends up happening with with for me personally is that my mind is so tangential that I'll jump off on different things and want to talk about different things in the middle of one thing will spark a thought or an idea that goes somewhere else. Yeah. So I think that's yeah. the that's the main merit to me of the the non scripted, but also non scripted. I I've listened to me talk before, and as uh-huh. I'm as I'm listening to it, I'm thinking, oh wow, there was there was this thing that I could have said in in that moment that would have really tied everything together, but I didn't. So there's always that that hindsight regret of uh-huh. not being able to articulate yourself in in the manner which you would which you would in the in an ideal world yeah and so i think that's a frustrating part of the non-scripted but i think that both of them you kind of have to to live and live and die with what you do that's true yeah that's yeah 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 it's tough though like it's it's tough to to find which medium you want to go for yeah i totally like agree man like you know i've also felt that like like the more you know information you consume the more difficult it is to stick to like one topic because like out of a certain like you know once you're talking on like one topic there'll be like something which like will totally you know a different thought will connect in back of your mind related to the same topic but like in a different context mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you'll you'll see you'll notice yourself like jumping from one topic to totally like different topic just to like elaborate more so i totally get that point man like yeah it happens to me also like if i am like on one topic suddenly like my brain would jump to like something else mm-hmm. and be like okay, let's talk about this and then i'll be like okay i, I got to go back and finish that topic first yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's good good point you you pick up mm-hmm. so uh, like the most in, like interesting question i wanted to ask you josh was like what made you uh, start the podcast in the first place like what was your goal or your drive behind it and like was there any particular uh, thing you wanted to achieve out of it like be it like helping people or like you know like satisfying your own goal like what was the thing that drove it yeah so my 
I got, I got really, really involved with my ex-girlfriend's family. I really felt like I was a part of, part of that unit, that group. And uh-huh. her brothers a few times had talked to me about starting a podcast with them. Okay. And so we would, I, I think they would have been a lot more artistic with it. I think they wanted to talk about game reviews and stuff like that. And, yeah. and I was super duper on board. And then after we broke up, I just decided that it was something that I wanted to do on my own and just, yeah. yeah, long, long form conversations with people that I thought were interesting. And, uh-huh. and it slowly grew from there to the point where I decided that it was something that I was going to do. And yeah, that's pretty much why I started it. And I continued to do it because I, I had a few episodes, listened to them, realized that I didn't like the way that I portrayed myself or spoke or any of those things. And from there, I decided that I wanted to get better at how I present myself in those situations. Uh-huh. So from, from that point on, it was, it was a practice. It was, it was something that I got to do where I could work out my, my ability to speak and uh-huh. learn how to speak more fluidly and articulate. And, and so it was, it was something that was, I was pushing and it was pushing me at the same time. Wow. That's good, man. Mm-hmm. So, were there like any any challenges like you faced, like you know, in terms of like being like too you know self conscious that like I have felt this like it happens to me. I'm sure it happens to a lot of people that like you know, um, once you record something like the way you were mentioning, and you go back and listen to it, then you you know you have all these questions in your mind. Hey, is my voice like too funny, mm-hmm. or hey, I don't like my voice, or like hey, I should like you know like like you were mentioning, you were saying the word like a lot. Mm-hmm. So all these thoughts like they keep on coming and bothering you. So so how how did you like you know overcome that? What was your um, your like you know two cents on overcoming that and like um, how did you do you know uh, how did you overcome that? Is my question. Yeah. So so there there are lots of things that that I think jumped right away. Uh-huh. Um, and a lot of those were just in the ways that I, that I spoke the, the language that I was using. I, yeah. I didn't believe that it was precise enough. Okay. I thought that I was moving around a discussion a little bit too much with filler words, which I, I really didn't like. And I obviously, I think that my voice is funny and strange okay. and it, yeah. <laughs> it, it makes me cringe to hear myself talk in a recording. Yeah. Define filler words. Like, what do you mean by filler words? Like, um, like, I, I think that, I think they're different for each person actually. And I think that mm-hmm. we use them to differing extents depending on who we're surrounded with and how nervous we are. So I think that regulating our, uh, for me, I found that regulating breath really helps me to focus in yep. on things mm-hmm. and, and that has allowed me to avoid using filler words. And I'm, I try to be very conscious of it. And the people that I spend time with, I think, I, I think that they're conscious enough yeah. of the things. So I'll, I'll ask them if I use filler words. Apparently I use really, really a lot and very, very. So instead of just saying really or very, I say really, really, yeah. like I really, really like this, or this is very, very big. So, yeah. so there, there are those things that I, it's a little bit of a Pandora's box to be honest, because every time that you improve on something, there's always something else that pops up next. It's, it's very, very seldom that you can 
completely reshape your vernacular and your syntax when you speak and be uh-huh. satisfied with it because then you have a conversation with someone you get nervous and everything falls apart and you go back to your old habits. And that's, that's what happens with stress is that we, when we become stressed, we tend to fall back on our most basic learned principles. Yeah. And so first thing that I become super stressed in a conversation, I'm sure that I start to revert back to my like, like very, very, um, really, really. And a way that I actually got around that was just posting things instantly. Yeah. First thing I'd finish an episode. There was one episode that was, um, the subject matter was very, it was, I, I think someone shared a lot of really personal information that was critical to their lives. Yeah. And I withheld posting that for a week just to give that individual time to decide whether they wanted it in the world because that's another thing that happens is once you post something, once you've said something and once yeah. you post it, it's, it's out there and you can, you can bring it back. But if something starts to happen that things snowball and you've said the wrong thing, yeah. then, then the things can snowball and it affects all areas of your life and people perceive you differently. And it's tough yeah. to, to go back and make comments on things that you've said. Uh-huh. That, that's something that I, I took very seriously was being yeah. being very precise in the way that I spoke and not saying things that I would regret or would regret in the future. Yeah. And it's like, it's super hard to like, you know, uh, retract the words like once spoken or like, you mm-hmm. know, once like a video is out, it's out, you cannot take it back. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. And even if your so, intent is different from the way that people perceive it, yeah, if you, if you yeah. say something and someone takes it the wrong way or yeah. someone sees this different side of that and, and they, uh-huh. they call you out on that, I, I feel like people are under so much scrutiny now with how, how specific we have to be when we talk, especially in public, especially people that are, are figureheads and speaking continuously. One, the, you say the, the wrong thing once and your career is done, your reputation is gone, all of these other things that are... It, it's it's quite it's it's definitely a scary thing it is it is man absolutely and like you're right uh, especially like you know if you if you have like a, a person like you know who is um, a well-known person and like if they say something wrong like for them to retrace it now is kind of impossible and then it also kind of puts you in a limbo to like you know uh, with mm-hmm. the thoughts that hey should i go ahead and like post this or should I like hold back so it like defeats the purpose of like the entire conversation of the podcast right mm-hmm. that's like one more challenge like because I, I what I have felt is that people can be comfortable with recording something but once it's recorded and they listen to it like you know it can totally change their perception they might not feel comfortable as comfortable they were before uh, compared to like you know afterwards so did you think like that happened in your um, uh, during your time recording podcast? Like, was was there any particular experience where like someone was pretty comfortable talking about something, but then when it was out or it was recorded, they were like, "Oh no, 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 we can't." Yeah, yeah. Uh, not including the the episode that I talked about earlier with the sensitive subject matter. 
there was one that uh-huh. I, did, I there was one that I did quite early with with a really good friend of mine, and there was wine involved, and we just were hanging okay. out, having a really good conversation, and yeah. at the end of it, we kind of looked at each other and went, "I don't, I don't think we can post this," especially as being because for me, for me personally, especially at the time that the podcast first got going, it wasn't that I was just myself. It's that you represent you represent a, a bunch of other things whenever you speak, you represent the place that you work for, you represent your family, you represent all of these things that you wouldn't really think about, but all of those things can, all the things you say can come back and impact the people in those, in those areas. So it can represent your family and it can represent the, for me, it was, it was um, the TRU Wolfpack and every single time that I presented myself in public, I was always representing the club and the community. So that was, that was something that we had to be really conscious of. And yeah, my, my friend and I pulled, we mm-hmm. pulled cord on an episode because we decided, Hey, this probably isn't going to go well if a bunch of people hear this. Totally. So like, so you never went and like posted that episode? No, no, no. And it wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> like we said, horrible, terrible things about people or anything like that but he was in a he was in a position of authority and he was quoting big mouth and stuff like that and he was really really good at doing voices and it was it was a very it was it was interesting it was interesting because I don't think that either of us would have felt that we couldn't have that conversation around our best friends or even people on the outskirts of our friendship, but it was a, it was a personal conversation. We talked about some stuff and first thing we stopped recording, we, we decided that we probably shouldn't post it. Okay. That's interesting, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> challenges, man, like all these challenges, like which normal people can't even think of can like happen because I think like there's a normal uh, perception amongst people that like, Hey, recording a podcast is super easy. But when they start like doing it or like sitting through like the things they find out that actually it's like more challenging compared to like how easy it appears. Right. Mm-hmm. So what are your like thoughts on that? I've had a lot of people reach out actually and ask me about how to start a podcast. And it's been a mixture of, scripted and non-scripted people. I think scripted, you have to be a little bit more conscious of number one. My biggest thing was always making the person that I was doing an episode with comfortable. Comfortable, yeah. Um, a lot of that involved the space. So dimming the lights and uh-huh. okay. If it was a good friend, we'd have a beer or something like that so that both of us could relax. And that's yeah. something that I found helped because that, yeah. that starts to shut down your, your frontal lobe and your brain, which is for decision-making. And so I'm sure that I've gotten a couple good stories that I wouldn't have if I hadn't brought out beer, uh, especially <laughs> with one of my friends, Doug, he was, he was an absolute rock star. The dude's just full of stories. And after yeah. a beer or two, he was, he was really into it. And so, <laughs> yeah. so that's something is, is making your guest comfortable. I've found that that yeah. was, that was really, really important. And yeah, a big part of that is also how you speak to them. So it's not an interrogation or anything like that. But correct, my goal correct. was always to have less of an interview style and more of a, mm-hmm. hey, this is just we're having a conversation about this thing. And yeah. 
and then we're going to put it out there because I feel everyone that I had on is someone that I felt had an interesting perspective on mm-hmm. life. And I thought that that was, I thought that those experiences that they shared would be helpful for other people. And that was, that was my secondary. I, w- I would say that's actually close to that. I think that's why I started it was to bring in multiple perspectives from people that could potentially have a positive impact on people's lives if they had listened. Uh-huh. And then after I heard my voice, a big goal of mine became becoming better at speaking and articulating my thoughts. Mm-hmm. And so those, those were, those were really, really closely related to one another was the, the betterment of myself because I, I, I like to think that people act selfishly a lot of the times regardless of regardless of whether there's a positive outcome for other people i think that in the back of our minds we're always i i think it would be i'm I'm not sure the best way to say this and definitely not ignorant but i think that it would be underestimating our nature to say that we're altruistic beings and that we always want the Mm -hmm. best for everyone else regardless of how that comes off to us and for me personally i'm hyper agreeable, super agreeable, really have a tough time saying no. So that's something I've had to work on quite a bit, but Mm -hmm. I do think, I do think that even, even when I am being agreeable, that's, that that's in some case for myself and for my own comfort zone. And so, so that, that was, yeah, that was a little bit of a tangent, but I think that, I think that the big thing for me was bettering myself. And then after that, it was, how can I, how can I make life a little bit better for other people? How can I share these experiences and have people share their experiences? Yeah. And how can that positively impact the people that listen? That's wonderful, man. And like uh, you were mentioning that, like you did receive a few like text messages from people like who mm-hmm. heard your podcast, right? So like, what was the sentiment like of the people? Like, uh, I'm pretty sure like, you know, once like someone relates to your story or we're like, you know, um, they come out and tell you that, Hey man, this really helped me. Or this is what I needed today. I was going through a shitty day, but like your podcast actually like, you know, brightened my day up. Like it gave me something to look forward upon. So like, um, what were these like messages, like which you received and like, what, what was the impact? Like you felt that like, you know, that had, you know, on you personally as compared to like your impact on people. So what did you think? Like, was and like and what was the best message that you received which you know really made you happy and gave you like the drive that hey i need to like you know get better i need to like put more content out so mm-hmm. what was your experience what was that one thing which happened um full disclosure most of them were actually people just asking how to do a podcast <laughs> okay I, I don't think that a lot of people that message me had actually listened to it i think a okay. lot of the people were saying hey i'm looking at doing a podcast i think that you mm-hmm. did a really good job yeah how how do I do that? How do I, uh, how do I basically, how do I make a podcast better than yours? Because, yeah. because people want to start off at, at a footing where they can move up. So I, correct. that correct. was, that was my goal was to offer some kind of footing to anyone that asked so that they could mm. make a podcast better than mine so that they didn't have to go yeah. through everything that I went through to start off. And wow, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And so the people that, the people that did message me, there have been a few people that have messaged me that said, Hey, I really enjoy your uh-huh. podcast. And, uh-huh. And one, one of the people were from my high school that I never knew or anything, but she messaged me saying, 
hey, we went to high school together. I just thought your podcast was really cool. I listened to a few episodes. It's really, really interesting. It's cool to see how you've changed from the kid that wore a triple XL sweater, sweatpants and slippers to school every day and had a mullet to (laughs) this kind of weird guy now. And so that was, I think that was a fun, that was a fun conversation for me because I got to contemplate the, the journey that I've gone through over the years. That's good, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like so funny, man. Like, um, internet is such a like powerful thing that like you know it it connects you to the people like you have even like forgotten about like and you don't you don't they're not even like in front of you every day, but mm-hmm. then like just like an example of this girl like how out of nowhere like she somehow saw your podcast and decided to reach out. So like mm-hmm. that's amazing, man. Like the world has become actually like so much smaller due to like all these things so yeah that's fantastic man yeah we're so, so most of, yeah sorry no you go no you go ahead i was gonna say we're just so interconnected now and we influence people at such a higher rate and people in turn influence us at a really high rate if we allow them to mm-hmm. so there's 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 been over the past i would say a couple hundred years just this exponential increase in information available and with the advent of the internet and particularly YouTube and, and things keep coming and coming and coming mm-hmm. that, that are able to teach us things. And that yeah. to me, that indicates that people want to know more because, because these things thrive because someone makes an Instagram account or a YouTube channel and they talk about, let's say investing in stocks or mm-hmm. neuroscience or language, anything like that. Yeah. They, they build these things and, and they are receiving positive feedback from people. And so people build more things and more things and more things. And we, the, the mediums that we have to access information is, has gone up so yeah. much, yeah. especially over the past 30 years that it's, it, I think it, I think it's really, it's, it's a cool testament to humans and our desire to better ourselves and to understand things at, at a more an understanding things better. That's probably the best way to put that. <laughs> so essentially like what I think you're trying to say is that like our learning capacity has increased and like we can, I think we have access to so much, so much, so much content nowadays that like, you know, I believe that like in now in today's world, like, you know, if someone wants to learn a skill and their excuse is that, Hey, uh, I don't have the proper information. Mm-hmm. or I don't know where to start. I think that's the biggest lie they are telling themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Because, hey, like like you were mentioning, man, everything is available online. There's everything. There's mm-hmm. tons of videos on YouTube. There's tons of content on internet. So I think like this is the best, best era like in which we are living. And I think like we are fortunate like to, you know, uh, be able to learn skills at a much faster rate compared to like, you know, going through all the books in the ancient time, like people had to go through lots of books to Mm -hmm. gather new information, new knowledge. But now you can just look at like a small video, like, you know, uh, Hey, how to cook like uh, sunny side up eggs, (laughs) go to YouTube, right. Mm -hmm. Rather than like going through a recipe book in the past, like going through scrolling through pages. So I think Mm -hmm. that's, that's something pretty um, good. Uh, And Josh, like, um, what was like your one, you know, thing which um, in terms of like one challenge, which you think you overcame 
in your life which was like you know very tough which like you know at you were at a point let's say where like you almost didn't know hey what to do mm-hmm. and which you know you can relate to like lots of people uh, nowadays so was there like any uh, time in your life where you thought like something was super challenging and then you overcame that out of like lots of uh, hardships and struggles and then like the end result was like uh, pretty like positive and uh, energy full of energy like uh, is there any experience like you know you feel that can like help people which you would like to share because uh, honestly i remember like when i met you i remember you i think you fractured your left left foot right i, and then, I think i had just ruptured my right achilles yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. so yeah. i i still remember man like um, I I asked you so like hey Josh like so what's going to happen are you going to quit volleyball so you were like hey I don't know but then like the same fucking next day in the same week I see you at the gym like practicing mm-hmm. and then I was like what the fuck so I have seen you personally going through challenges and like finding a way to look at it from a positive note and coming like out of it but is there like anything major like you know which you would like to share which you think can help people give them some motivation you know to not back down yeah so i think that i have i i'd say four general arcs uh-huh. in terms in terms of story development so so something i've been working on lately actually is putting together some kind of course that allows for people to understand the process of the hero's journey a little bit more i think a lot of storytelling is I, th- i think storytelling is predicated on human experience so mm-hmm. the the journeys that a, a hero goes through in say a marvel film or yeah any anything like that something where they experience adversity and then they overcome that adversity and then they're defeated again and then they come back and they they show that they've improved and their quality has changed Mm-hmm. I think that's all an alchemical experience and I'm looking for a way to join the philosophy of the hero's journey to psychology to I I would say more western or sorry more eastern f- philosophy and religion I would like to mm-hmm. add all of those together and toss in a little sprinkle of archetypes and young and put that into a course so I I think that I have four general arcs that would probably be fitting for that personally one of which being my the, the change that i made in my academics uh another one being reconnecting with my mom after not seeing her for 8 or 9 years wow and then uh rupturing my achilles and most recently i've started on another adventure which is rupturing my other achilles <laughs> yeah okay so. how's that going Uh I'm I just got on my boot now so I got on my boot about a week ago and yeah. it's it's interesting to to for for things to change so much I think that we I think that as humans the way that our brains are are organized is that we compartmentalize our lives so let's say that you move to this new place that you're moving yeah. into and mm-hmm. a month later it's going to feel like it's been 3 months because you're in this new place you're in this new spot where everything's yeah. different everything's changed and so yeah. i think that our perceptual clock changes and uh-huh. and we we process information or we perceive that we process information 
at a different speed. So something, so for me, rupturing my Achilles was it, everything before that feels like it was part of a different life. And now even getting out of the boot, that feels like months ago, it's been a week. Yeah. And right now I'm trying to learn how to walk again. And so that's, mm-hmm. that's probably for me, the, the next step is just grinding rehab and using the tools that I've, my, using the toolkit that I've developed to, to optimize my recovery yeah. and go back and play volleyball. That's fantastic, man. So like, George, like going through all the, these like, you know, hard times, like where like you ruptured your uh, Achilles and, um, and like you said, you're almost about to rupture your second Achilles. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, um, this is quite challenging and it can like have a big toll on your mindset, right? Mm-hmm. So what was that one thing which like, you know, uh, kept you going that, hey, like, you know, uh, this is something like which you know cannot defeat me. So, what was that one thing or like one one self talk you know you used to give yourself to get out of like things? Because I'm pretty sure like you know you must have thoughts like every day defeating thoughts, right? It comes to mm-hmm. every human being after yeah. going through a challenge. So, what was your experience like? I I believe that every experience is an opportunity. Uh huh. Very well said. Yeah, I don't I don't really believe in. Negative experiences, I've found it really difficult to I find it difficult to articulate because it's so outlandish Um, Mm -hmm. but, but I really think that suffering is the way that we increase our capacity I think there's a general there's a general dip in quality of life so from um I think I think that hell is a very real place. I think mm-hmm. that it's it's universal in religions, in large yep. religions, in in Buddhism, yep. in Christianity, every everywhere. You everywhere can, there's yeah. a place for yeah. hell, yeah. and so I think that that's a that's a philosophical place that we go to when our life is consistent. We dip, mm-hmm. yeah, and 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 my my goal has been to find the best way to start to increase. So to get out of hell, that's, that's the idea is how do we, how do we start to alleviate ourselves of the burden and accept the suffering Uh and allow that to actually improve our character and improve our quality. So Mm -hmm. there's, there's this really good book called the art of liberation through understanding of the between or understanding in the between. And now, now it's called the Tibetan book of the dead. So, yeah. So it's this religious doctrine. Uh it talks a lot about meditation and breath work and mindset and focus and 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 the whole time i was i really believe that lots of religion and old philosophy and old storytelling it's it's trying to say something but at the time it's really difficult to say something because we because now we have so many advances in technology and science that we have we, we've increased the amount of things that we know. So for an example, when, when someone talks about something a hundred years ago, they might uh-huh. actually be talking about eight different things at the same time. So, so an example of this is in, um, what's his name? The author of the Gulag Archipelago, Alexander Sovinichkin. So in uh-huh. his book, in his book, A Day in the Life of Eisen Denisichev, it's about the, the Gulags. 
and a man surviving in the gulag. So it's just one day in this guy's life. And it, yeah. this book of how they had to, it, it's a book of survival. That's, that's basically uh-huh. what it is, survival day to day. And there are several times in the book that in the, in the mind of Eisen, in, so there are a few points where he sees someone that is low on the dominance hierarchy that gets yeah. pushed down by someone that's higher. Or he thinks uh-huh. to himself, hey, I can bully this person because uh-huh. they're lower than me. Or, yeah. hey, I, I can't bully this person because they're higher than me. Mm-hmm. And we've come to understand that that's what happens in baboon tribes as well. And that's how they, you can actually dissipate your stress levels by attacking yeah. someone lower in the dominance hierarchy than you. Oh, so, wow. yeah, so a baboon will reduce its stress uh-huh. if it's stressed by biting someone lower than it. Really? Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So th- that's this thing that I'm sure Sovinishkin didn't know that that was a, yeah. a biological mechanism. But that's something that that when when I read that, I thought, oh, wow, that relates really well to this. So back back to the course of the art of liberation through understanding in the between. Uh-huh. I think that the in between is that area of dip because that's what it is, is when someone passes away or when someone experiences what I would consider to be um, an ego death or a metaphysical death. So you're not actually dying, but the person that you were uh-huh. does die. The person that you were, you start to come out of it. Like you're escaping an yeah. old skin. So you start to shed your old skin and yeah. become a new you. So I think that that art of art of living or art of liberation through understanding in the between is mm. understanding the process of redevelopment of a new self of a better version of yourself. Okay. And, and that's a process that, that Carl Jung considered to be the development of the self. And the self is this higher version of you, this person that you strive uh-huh. to become that you have to work towards. And the only way to work towards that is, by facing the things about yourself that you don't like. So for me, that was, for example, um, speaking poorly yeah, and not articulating myself perfectly and using bad filler words. <laughs> so that's a, that's a more or less yeah. poor example, but, but I think that, that that drives the point home of we have these things that we know that we have to work on and they're tough, yeah. but the more that you understand that process of, of getting out of that dip in life, of getting out of that hell and moving towards the thing that you want, the more that we can understand that process, the, I think the faster that we can evolve uh, personally. That's something like, uh, something like, you know, which I truly agree with you upon. And I really like the fact when you mentioned that, like how in order to like, you know, move forward uh, in life or to like move forward from one phase, we have to like leave or let go of uh, an older personality, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, or, or like shed a totally old skin to get into a new skin and then like kind of like begin like, you know, um, a total new journey. Let's say if you're facing or if you, if you are like facing a very low moment in your life, like you, you try to get out of it. So it all comes down to, like you mentioned, uh, on how hard we can work on improving ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. So it all comes down to like, we taking up to the challenge that, Hey, I really want to like get better at this. Hey, I want to change the situation. So I think I totally agree with you on that, man. Mm-hmm. But why do you think, Josh, like, why do you think it happens that, like, I've seen in, it happened to me also in the past that, like, whenever, like, we are um, 
about to make a change like you know there's this feeling of fear which cripples into the back of our mind that hey like you know don't do this or mm-hmm. stop so what what do you think like that fear is uh, or, or where it is coming from like and how do you think like you know is the best way to overcome that because like what the the, the approach i uh, took was i heard mel robbins so she gave a very beautiful like technique that whenever like you're trying to talk yourself out of something just go 5 4 3 to 1 <laughs> and mm-hmm. then like you know go back to doing the thing again so that personally changed me but what do you think like you know um, uh, is your go to thing or like what do you think like is the best way to overcome this where like you you just like you know snap out of it and go back into uh, moving towards the decision well for me a lot of it a lot of it has become breathing techniques which i think was the was a key element of that uh-huh. book that I was talking about the the book uh-huh. of the dead yeah I, th- i think that was something that they were striving towards and it's something that we haven't understood up until i would say the past liberally 50 years mm-hmm. and the the amount of the amount that breath has control of our lives has been more and more researched and it's becoming more and more understood and i really think yeah. really uh, that's for me a very significant part of my process is breathing techniques and controlling autonomic nervous system so the mm-hmm. autonomic nervous system isn't actually automatic like you would suspect from the latin translation yeah yeah we we can control it a little bit more and for me especially i found this while playing sports it was this difference between being high and being low and knowing when to be high and when to be low and developing uh-huh. the, the the breath and the body control to yeah. release norepinephrine adrenaline mm-hmm. and how to how to scale that back so i'm even i've even been playing with that a little bit more recently so uh, you're saying we can control that yeah yeah absolutely oh wow yeah so I'm trying to think of a good example um so so one thing that's super interesting is so, uh, something i've been thinking about for a while now is the So there's this thing called synesthesia which is the ability to combine or perceive stimuli differently. Uh-huh. That's a that's a bad that's a bad definition, but I'll try to explain okay. it a little bit more with this example. So Okay. So so sometimes people so you're born with tons and tons of connections in your brain. Tons uh-huh. and yeah. over time they get pruned, so they get taken away step by step by step. and one of them is this thing called synesthesia where people can see sound they can see sound yeah so you so you play a key on a keyboard and someone says yeah. oh, that sounds yellow oh, okay that sounds red something okay. like that so yeah. so billy joel someone that had synesthesia i think lady gaga has synesthesia as well uh-huh so it just hasn't been pruned the way that it has in lots of other people and and in that way it's it's this combination between what we perceive and what we think uh-huh so we when when you see sound obviously it's, yeah. it's it's as real as it could be but there are a lot of other examples so if you if you ever take someone for a date and mm-hmm. you get them an iced coffee they'll consider your personality potentially colder than if you were to get them a warm coffee oh wow yeah so so we have all of these we have all these connections in our brain that are really really hard mm-hmm. we we can't pull them apart we can't say that that this is this is here and this is here and they're mutually uh-huh. exclusive nothing can combine those two 
So one thing that, that I practice is cold shower breathing. Okay. And so I get into a shower, put it as cold as it can go and just breathe. And that, that breathing and that stress that's being put onto my body and my mind uh -huh. that actually increases your capacity to undergo stress at a later date. Oh, so, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's this epigenetic change of you're not only, you're not only experiencing the stress, but you're increasing your capacity to mm -hmm. experience stress in the future. Yeah. So I really think that that's a, a good philosophy to go about anything that you feel stressed about is saying, I feel stressed about this. If I jump into this thing, then it'll make me less stressed in the future. As long as I handle yeah. it properly, as long as I yeah. handle it and understand that this is a process mm -hmm. and that everything that we do, as long as we do it in the, even in the mindset that we're growing and that we're improving, that will yeah. improve our results. So Carol Dweck is someone that talks about this a lot. And she's, she's developed this whole new side of psychology called growth mindset. And that's this idea that we have so much plasticity in our brains and we can change the way that we think about things. And the more that we believe that everything is process oriented and process driven and yeah. not result driven, then the more we can increase our capacity. And that makes sense. Not only, not only neurologically, but philosophically, because if you say, I can't get any better at this or I'm just yeah. not a good drawer. I'm not a good writer. I'm not good at this. Then you're, you're never going to give yourself the chance and you're never going to get better at that. Mm -hmm. So to understand so, things as so. a process and knowing that our brain is plastic enough to create new, new neural circuitry and uh -huh. combine things and improve at things and grow in the way that we want it to. It's really a tool, but it's also a master. And that's the, I think that's the best way to look at the brain is that we can mold it to become a better version of ourselves. So we're working on each other simultaneously. Yeah. yeah. Wow, man. That's like pretty, pretty like interesting. Like I didn't even know like half of this stuff. So that's, that's pretty good to like understand. So do you, mm -hmm. do you recommend like any uh, particular um, like books, like on like, you know, reading like more about the brain and like how it functions or like um, how, how you can like, you know, or even like on meditation, like how you can better your, um, breathing, uh, mm -hmm. how you can work on breathing because a lot of time I've seen that people, they get into this habit of starting like to meditate, but they mm -hmm. don't actually understand the concept of meditation. And then they, you know, tend to give up, give up. So they'll mm -hmm. try it for like two, three days and then they'll be like, Oh, I cannot do this. Mm -hmm. So is there like a, a better or easier way, which like, uh, you can suggest people or like, um, like how, how did you like, you know, manage to continue with, um, meditation when you first started like i'm pretty sure like you had the same thoughts right that hey like you know i cannot do this or hey, it's it's stupid it's not doing anything because people go into meditation with expectations mm -hmm. that you know it's 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 like miraculously gonna change something um, big in their life mm -hmm. without understanding that like they are trying to like you know just work on understanding who they are right mm -hmm. so what's your take on that yes there are a few things with meditation experiencing rapid growth is really, really hard in a person. Uh -huh. um, if you, if you think about it from uh, a physiological perspective, just more, sorry, more of an aesthetic perspective than a physiological. But if you go to the mm -hmm. gym every single day yeah. for four months, yeah, other people will notice your results faster than yeah. you will. True, true, true. Yeah. So, that, so that's something tough with meditation is that 
if you if you dive into it and expect to see your own results super duper quickly, it, it's going to be very uh-huh. very difficult to continue the practice because you're not going to see that positive feedback for a while. Yeah. And also, you're living with it day to day. So mm-hmm. maybe you increase your ability to sit down and read for an extra thirty seconds, an extra one yeah. minute. But that has that has a positive feedback loop, where mm-hmm. if you can do that, you continue to incre- to incrementally increase day to day. And my my big issue with meditation is people pe- people think of it as a is a place you're going and not yeah. a path. So people want to get into this state of meditation where you where you lose complete proprioception. So you don't have, you, you lose the feeling in your arms and your hands and your body. Yeah. So you don't know where you are anymore. So yeah. it feels like you're floating in space and people want that. People really want yeah. that. People want yeah. To, yeah. To, to feel their, their chakras align and feel the sensation of light and bliss in, uh-huh. in their body. Yeah. And maybe that's along the path, but it's not the end of the path either. So with mm-hmm. meditation, often the goal is to get somewhere whereas it's often referred to as the practice or as a practice when i talk to my friends about meditation my friends that are super into what we talk about my my friend will often ask me hey how's your practice going yeah because that's what it is it's not it's not a job or it's not something that you're doing to get somewhere it's something that you're practicing because to practice something means you're getting better yeah and as with meditation you'll never get to the state where you're a perfect meditator. That's never the goal of meditation. That's never, that's never been the goal is to reduce anxiety or anything like that. It can, it can get you there. But to me, the way that I see it is that it is a practice. It's something that you, you're never going to get good at. I guess that would be a good way to put it. Even me, I can, I've, I've, I've gone to the point where I can meditate for 16 hours a day and Wow, and it and it it's not, and I don't feel good at it. Like it doesn't feel like I'm good at meditating, <laughs> yeah. Because there's always there's always a little bit more. It's always a little bit further. So, yeah. and and it's not about clearing your mind either. That's a that's a really common misconception as well. It's a, what I've found good because meditation can go off in so many different streams. You can do, you can do Buddhist meditation or Zen yeah. meditation, or you can do yeah. Vipassana meditation. There are all of these different meditative models that you can go after where you're looking at body scanning and breath work to me it's about just letting your mind flow Mm -hmm. and accepting the thoughts as they come and really diving into thoughts so i also don't think that it's good to press thoughts away there's a really really good guided meditation by alan watts where he talks about meditation and your thoughts so your thoughts being a cloud and your mind being a lake uh-huh. And for your mind to be calm, for the lake to be calm, the cloud or your thoughts has to completely dissipate all of its, all of the rain, all of the yeah. rain that it absorbs, all of the thoughts that you have, you have to let those happen before they'll stop. So you just have to accept them and go along with them and go to the very end of that rope. And then once you're at the end of the rope, there's nothing left. And then, and then the thoughts will stop. So if you're consistently thinking about something and you go to meditate, it's not going to yeah. go away like that. It might get worse, yeah. actually, that you think about it more and more and more and more and more. But at some mm-hmm. point, your brain stops yeah. and goes, well, I'm not, like, I'm done thinking about that. Yeah. And then the lake is calm. Your mind becomes calm. And that's mm-hmm. when the, the proprioception <laughs> stops. And that's mm-hmm. where, so, so something that he says is that there's nothing that you can do to stop those thoughts from coming. 
And to attempt that is to attempt smoothing rough water with a flat iron. You're only going to make it worse by trying to stop it. <laughs> yeah. Very well put, man. Like, um, I think that's like one major like dogma people had, like, you know, in terms of meditation that, um, that like, you know, if you're getting thoughts, like, you know, you shouldn't, you should like stop thinking about those thoughts or like you should start like fighting those thoughts. But you said it like very well, man, that the more you try to like not think about it, your monkey brain is going to like, you know, kick you in the ass and you're just going to go hmm. back and think about it again. Yeah. So you're constantly stuck in that loop and now you're not meditating, but you're just like focusing and going round and round in those thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. So beautifully put, man. Like in order to like calm down the lake, you got to like pour everything out of the clouds first mm-hmm. or let go of everything. Beautiful, man. Yeah. I think that's, that's, that's one major thing, uh, which like, that's a good, good insight you provided to people, man. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Because I feel that like nowadays people have, you know, easy access to drugs rather than like, because meditation, to be honest, and in your experience, you must have seen is something which you got to work on every day. It's, it, it takes time, right? Mm-hmm. And the way you gave the gym example was perfect. You, you are, you cannot see the results, but people other people they see the results uh, before than you do right Mm -hmm. so you put it like in a very good way so I think like nowadays people rather than taking the more challenging route which is more beneficial in the longer term people are like you know kind of like trying to find escape through the shorter means right quicker versions like drugs or like you know uh, medications Mm -hmm. antidepressants Mm -hmm. so uh, I think meditation as per what you mentioned is something which like if everyone incorporates it's going to change like so many people's lives man mm-hmm. right yeah and even even in a non-meditative way because meditative is very the, the idea of sit down meditation is very limiting you can't uh-huh. you can't be in the middle of an argument or you can't be in the middle of a sports game or something a super stressful part of your life and just sit there yeah. and, and sit down <laughs> Like unless you're in India and you're in the middle of a supermarket and you're trying to decide between <laughs> the big gi and the little gi, you can't sit down and just sit and start meditating without someone calling security. <laughs> so there are all of these different breath exercises now that are enabling people to take control of that autonomic nervous system to get out of anxiety for a few minutes uh-huh. or to get into anxiety for a few minutes because there's this inverted you in yeah. in competition where if you're super relaxed you're not going to do great uh-huh. if you're super anxious you're not going to do great so sure. there's this there's sure. this middle ground of being anxious yeah. and relaxed and that's where you hit your flow state where you okay. where you stop really perceiving things and you kind of just go through the motions your body knows what to do uh-huh. and, and you just you just do it so so that that's another place where you can incorporate breath work where you can take deep breaths into your belly uh-huh. and slow down your autonomic nervous system or turn off mm-hmm. your autonomic ner- nervous system and and r- stop releasing norepinephrine and adrenaline, or norepinephrine, which is adrenaline, sorry. Yeah. Or you can breathe super duper heavy and deep, and or sorry, super duper shallow and fast, and that'll increase your adrenaline. So it's yeah. kind of it's kind of like deconstructing the the nervous system response. So when uh-huh. you see a bear, when you see a bear, there's going to be a particular physical response. Yeah. Or when you're in the middle of an oasis somewhere in a nice hot pool surrounded by palm trees, there's going to be this calming response. So we can, <laughs> we can actually yeah. deconstruct that and reverse engineer it so that 
uh-huh. so that we can create those states of mind that happen, those, those physiological states and those states of mind that happen when we see the bear or when we're in, uh-huh. in the oasis. So, so you can create that same sensation of, well, I got to go now. This is some, I'm super pumped up. I'm really, really focused on this one thing, or we can go, okay, expand our narrowed vision, relax. So essentially like break out of like our paradigms, right? Which are like deeply constructed into our brain and mm-hmm. then kind of like reconstruct our whole subconscious. You mean like kind of like rewiring the brain? Is that like say, how? I would say it's more of a cheat code. I think that the reconstructing of the brain is a little bit more of a macro scale idea. Okay. okay. So that would be changing how we actually react to fear and how we uh-huh. react to things that we're afraid of and that we're scared of and that we, that make us anxious. But so that, so we can change the way that we react to those things over time. And because mm-hmm. it's a reflex, it even, even telling the truth is a reflex yeah. doing the quote unquote right thing. It's a reflex and we can change that reflex. But I, I believe that the first step to that is changing your behavior in a moment. So it's one moment where you have the opportunity to, to lie about something or to yeah. avoid failure or to avoid anxiety and being scared of something. And, and you dive into mm-hmm. that thing and you say, tell the truth or um, post that thing that you've been hesitant to post because you're scared of how people will perceive you or yeah. saying something in saying something to your peers that you don't feel that they'll receive, that they will be, that they will be receptive to. Mm-hmm. It's those things that, that will in turn restructure your brain. But I think that okay. those, those practices that I've been talking about with breath work, I believe that those are, those are ways that we can access the ability to actually change those little micro um, what would that be like a micro action? Mm-hmm. So you can change those micro actions and then over time that'll, that'll change the physiology of your brain. Um, something that I find interesting is that, is that as you go down that path, your dreams yeah. will change. So, so Josh, like how do you, um, how do you catch these things? Like, let's say when you were talking about that, like, you know, um, the moment, like, let's say you were about to tell a lie but you decided not to. So how do you like, you know, catch these things? Like how do you become self aware or self, you know, um, um, self aware of these things that, Hey, like, okay, this is the thing which has been happening. And then how do you come out of that? Like, when do you know is the time to stop? Is -hmm. is this something like um, that? Like you take the step once, then automatically the next time you, um, you find that you're doing it or like, how does, how does that work? No, far from it. Um, it, it takes a long, long time and, and, and stress can actually revert back. I re- I, re- I referred to that earlier, how stress can actually revert back those, those changes that you've made because uh-huh. so one example is that it's really, really hard to, to quit smoking. Um, cool. especially cigarettes because it, over over time, it becomes you've associated your cigarette with feeling good and dopamine, mm-hmm. and and that gives you an instant hit of something. That gives you an instant hit of something good. That's your something good neural circuitry. Um, dopamine is that neurochemical that will that, that makes you feel good when you do something good or also something bad. Um, mm-hmm. Potentially smoking, potentially uh, eating chocolate, and we've actually. It, 
not we, but people have found that it's the lead up to that thing that releases more dopamine than the thing itself. But with smoking, you can quit smoking and you can be okay, 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 okay. And then you hit a time of stress. And then that, so that increase in stress reverts you back to your old way of thinking where you where the only way that you can get dopamine is a cigarette. And that's why people have such difficulty quitting smoking is that uh-huh. once you're reverted back to stress, yeah, the means in which you have, have addressed that stress before come back a lot stronger. So, so it's not just a one-time change that changes everything. Mm-hmm. It's you have to, it has to be, it, it's a practice, even those things, telling the truth and doing the right thing. All of that is, is a practice in a way that, a way that I think that is for me, the best way to start that process is, is through a more psychoanalytical perspective. So uh-huh. I, I think that, I think Jung does a really good job at addressing those changes that people make. And he has this, the concept of the shadow, which is this part of yourself that you kind of put to the side that you don't, that you don't really like to look at that isn't good. So we, we talked about it a little bit earlier, even how I don't believe that people are intrinsically altruistic all the time mm-hmm. in, that, mm-hmm. in that Hobbes Rousseau dynamic. I don't think, I think people mm-hmm. are more in the middle, but I think we can go to either side and and with that, you, you really have to look at yourself and say, what am I capable of? What am I doing right now that I don't like? And you, you can sit down in a meditation, in anything. You can sit down on your kitchen table with nothing on, close your eyes and ask yourself, what do I have to do? What, mm-hmm. do, I, what do I want in life? What am I doing right now that I don't yeah. like? And if you, if you pose questions to yourself in, in a to-the-point way, it, you'll get answers. You might not like them, but, but you'll get them. But you get them, yeah. Yeah, and, and with those answers, I think that, I, I think that's the first place, that, that's the first step to, step to, yeah. to becoming better at being the person that you want in life, to, to, to realizing that Jungian self is mm-hmm. to acknowledge the shadow and to incorporate them together. So you need to know the things that you're not good at and you need to be honest with yourself about the things that you're not yep. good at or the things you want to change. Yep. And so I think that that awareness is the first step to that. So it's like kind of like self-reflecting uh, uh, and then mm-hmm. like kind of like, you know, uh, in a way, like, I think you, you got to like start, you, you said it beautifully, you got to start like being more honest with yourself. And do you think like you, you got to like start being more, uh, strict towards yourself because the hum- normal human tendency is that okay the moment you start doing hard things your brain tells you to go back to the normal like old things right where the things are easier mm-hmm. so do you think like you got to like start telling yourself to be more disciplined and then um, in like normal situations let's say for example a person is in a habit of lying constantly right mm-hmm. and then one day um, back of the mind they know what they're doing wrong they mm-hmm. go back home, they do self-reflection, they, let's say, take out notebooks, start writing about it, and then kind of like self-reflect. But like, you know, what what happens or uh, what's the way where like, you know, you can stop this from happening at that very moment so that you don't have to, you don't go in regret when you're back home opening your diary again and writing, hey, I could have avoided this if I would have done this. So is there a like easier way where like, you know, it's like spontaneous where like, you know, okay, this is what 
I was about to do, but I will not do this. So is mm-hmm. there like a is there like a easier way, or or is it something which like you mentioned you you got to develop with time? Yeah, no, it's hard. It's like really really hard. I, I think hard, yeah yeah I, th- I think one one piece of that is really being empathetic with yourself and understanding with yourself that, okay yeah this isn't going to be uh, I do this one time this isn't a one time fix all thing it's, I think it's really really hard to develop mm-hmm. a a more complete personality and the personality that you would consider to be ideal I think okay. it takes a lot of time I, th- I think it takes mm-hmm. a lot of relapse I, I one thing for me personally has been. Like, like the lying example is something that I try to never lie ever, mm-hmm. no matter what. Yeah. Even if someone asked me a really tough question, I would way rather just be give honest. the answer yeah. than, than create a fabrication, which, which is hard a lot. Of time. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and sometimes you fall back. So mm-hmm. someone asks you something and you tell a lie and, and, and it's, that's that's a part of it that's a part of that hero's journey that's there's there are dips all over the place it's not yeah. linear there's not there's not consistent upward growth that's not uh-huh. that's not something that's sustainable yeah you have to be up yeah. and down a little bit okay. and, and ideally the the general line district like we go like that but in, uh-huh. in that we're still doing this a bunch uh-huh. so, absolutely you know. yeah so i think yeah. people people really beat themselves up about things um maybe stuff like overeating if you have a have an eating disorder and you're doing really really well and then you have a day where you totally break the most important thing to do is say this is a this is a moment this isn't this isn't forever this is something that's happened here and and i can i I can i can go back and i can change and then maybe Mm -hmm. the next time maybe the period that you start your your diet or your, your new health fad or something like that there's a 100 day period where you don't have a relapse and then you have that relapse. And instead of diverting back and saying, okay, well that's life now I'm a failure. I can't do it. I think it's important to be empathetic with ourselves and say, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay, I tried. Now I'm going to get back up and I'm going to do it again. And then hopefully Mm -hmm. the next time that you do it, it lasts for maybe 101 days. And then the next time, maybe 102 days, maybe 103. And then, over time, it gets better and better and better and better. That's true, man. Yeah, you're right. So you got to like start uh, loving yourself more, right? I think like people are mm-hmm. too too bothered about what uh, other people think about them or like how much love other people are offering them. And they totally ignore how much love they're not offering themselves, right? Mm-hmm. People and- like seek attention from others, but don't give themselves the attention they need from them right Mm -hmm. so this is where i think like uh, this is something where like you know there's a foundation of going wrong because the moment something wrong happens the first thing you do is you go back on beating yourself up Mm -hmm. yeah i I think that's something like i I think people do it a lot and um i haven't read his book yet but jordan peterson has a really good little bit little i love that guy (laughs) yeah he has he has some really really good stuff he's a very very intelligent man and he has one, one point where he says, you should treat yourself as if you were your best friend. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, that's I, the 12, 12 rule book. Something. Yeah. 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 12 yeah, rules yeah. for life. Um, yeah, yeah. That was, that was his first, that was his second book, but, but that's mm-hmm. not, that's not verbatim the rule, but, but I think that's how we should treat ourselves. So if you have like your friend has a relapse, you support your yeah. friend yeah. or your friend and you let them know that they can do better next time, but you mm-hmm. push them as well. Yeah. And so I think that's something that 
we're, we're trained not to do. I think that we're a lot more self-critical on ourselves than we could be. Mm-hmm. And, and that point that you said about um, the time that we give our, that we give ourselves and the, the affirmation that we give ourselves. I, I read this book by Gary Goodman and, and it's this book on love languages. So, so okay. so ways that we can express love to our partners, but I think that it's really important to find the way that we can express loves to ourselves. So he has okay. five okay. love languages, which are words of affirmation, mm-hmm. quality time, acts of service, physical touch and gift giving. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think that it's important for people to introspect a little bit and say, what are my love languages and how do I express those to myself? Because okay. we're often looking for external sources to, mm-hmm. to get this internal feeling of love. And I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's that simple. I think that we have yeah. to understand the way that we react to, to love and find a way that we can love ourselves the best. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it all comes down to like how, how good we are with ourselves. Right. What do you think about instant gratification, uh, Josh? Because like in nowadays I've, I've seen that like people like, you know, even before achieving their goals, they try to like instantly gratify themselves. They kind of like, you know, taking that, um, that like chase or that like, you know, um, the discipline out of like uh, achieving something hard and then rewarding themselves. Mm -hmm. But rather than like, um, let's say that for example, uh, let me think of a good example. Let's say if I say that, Hey, I'm going to work out six days a week mm-hmm. and then I, I do that or, um, I do three days, um, gym in, uh, like throughout the week. And I say that, Hey, if I do six days of workout in a week, I'm going to eat a pizza on the seventh day. Mm-hmm. But like when, let's say like, you know, um, I'm halfway through, I'm on the third day. I'm like, Hey, I made it halfway through. I'm going to do the, like you know i'm i'm going to get through the three more days so what i do is i instantly gratify myself so rather than waiting for like the pizza on the seventh day i'm eating the pizza on the third day so mm-hmm. it's actually a very poor example but like my actual question was that like do you think like uh, nowadays people are like you know rewarding themselves super super quickly even before achieving their target is that like one 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 like big thing which is holding people back from like uh, pushing limits or like, you know, going for that hard, hard things in life. Is, is that something which, um, you think like, um, hinders their progress, instant gratification? Mm-hmm. I mean, definitely could. I've definitely, uh, grabbed a brownie off the tray before I'm done my weekly workouts. But <laughs> so, so I, I think that's, I think that's really tough because it's so momentary based. Um, one, one thing that I can say about, um, the, the dopamine system is that if you, if you have a goal here, mm-hmm. the path to that goal is actually what releases the most dopamine. So yeah. for, for that example, it's the, those moments before like you grab the pizza and uh-huh. you're, you're lifting it to your mouth. That's when yeah. you release the most dopamine. Most dopamine. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in that, in, in that sense, I think that it's really important for people to have really big goals uh-huh. And also to reward themselves incrementally. So maybe like a little piece of chocolate every single night does better uh-huh. than 
a pizza at the end of the week or something like that. But I I think that that's, especially when you're starting out on something, it's really, really important to have gratification throughout the process. Because if you say, it would be be a lot tougher to say, I'm going to make a million dollars by the end of this month than it would be to say, I'm going to make, what would that be? I'm not sure, like $60,000 a week. No, not that. That's uh, a week. You said uh, a million. Yeah, well, let's, that's uh, let's say, let's say yeah. uh, $250,000 a week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that, that's a really bad example that wasn't formulated properly, <laughs> but it, but it's, it's good to have incremental goals that mm-hmm. allow you to achieve your, your major goal, but it's major target. Yeah. I think for me, it's important to have something far away that you actually don't, it's a little bit, it's a little bit sticky whether you can achieve it or not. Uh You want to have these really, really big goals that motivate you and that keep you motivated. And throughout that you want to have goals that will continue to keep you motivated. So you want to have this balance of short and long-term goals. So a long-term vision, short-term goals that will inevitably bring you to that thing. And the goal is to improve your quality of life at the end. So I'll think of a better example. Let's say you're moving to France in a year. If you incrementally learn French on your way there, it's going to make, it's going to make your quality of life in France a lot better than if you were to say, I'm I'm going to learn, I'm going to learn French in France. So you want to have these goals (laughs) that actually accumulate into Uh your, into the best quality of life that you can imagine for yourself at the end of that. That's what your incremental goals should be. Yeah. The, the goal of your incremental goals uh-huh. should be to achieve the highest possible quality of life in your end game. That's a really good example, man. That's that's a good example, yeah. Thanks. That's a lot better than the million dollars, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I fumbled that one. <laughs> I was actually like, you know, gone. I was like, okay, what can it be? I was gone in the numbers. Yeah, the no, number, numbers, are, numbers are bad. <laughs> Examples with numbers are bad. Yeah. What about you though, man? You've been, so you you've made a big journey from working at a Fortune 500 to investing in Fortune 500s and that's now your, your main stream of, of support for yourself. Yeah, um, the transition wasn't like easy, man. Like I really loved my job, and like you know, then COVID happened. Getting laid off was something which came as a as a shocker. Mm-hmm. And then like I I had no option, man. I had no choice. Like to there were only two options: either like you know go back to India, like you know finish everything, mm-hmm. or like there was the second option to like fight back, man, and like to do something. So then I I decided to learn a new skill. I was always fascinated by this uh, trading uh, industry like you know mm-hmm. I always loved the way like the prices moved and how you could, could m- make money off that and I, I had this like very big thing where I wanted to like work for myself rather than com- like working for anyone else so that happened then I, I, I put like a lot of work into that I had to spend like lots of like sleepless nights but then at the end of the day like you said man like I took everything incrementally like slowly uh, to reach towards the bigger goal which was financial freedom and to be on my own terms it took some time slowly 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 and I, I'm still not there but like today like I'm really proud where I have reached 
So the mm-hmm. journey has been really exciting, and and I think like you know that's one thing which um, which I think most of the people nowadays should really 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 think about and work on is that this COVID actually gave us you know a picture of how. Um, uncertainty revolves around us right you you you're never sure what's going to happen next mm-hmm. so um, a lot of people they lost their jobs and like you know they like for example me and then they didn't have anything to fall back on right so there's nothing like no skills to learn nothing to do a lot of people they they uh, decided to live off on the government's aid right mm-hmm. just to make their life easier to fall back on that one thing but my my goal or my thing was that you got to be like you know self sufficient man like you got to like have that skills no matter like something happens like xyz happens the economy crashes it doesn't impact you that much right mm-hmm. so uh, what do you think on that like what are your thoughts on like developing a skill set and then like you know having a extra skill on the side to 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 kind of go with your main gig yeah um skills are just it's such an intangible thing now that even if someone has a, a degree, I don't think that it inherently means that they have the skills. I think skills can be built outside oh, of universities. Oh, oh. I think more and more people are going to start stepping away from universities, especially in the current climate where mm-hmm. uh, the value of a university degree was intangible because it taught you how to be part of be a part of clubs and be a part yeah. of groups and yeah. you got to meet people and public speak and develop mm-hmm. relationships mm-hmm. with people and mm-hmm. you develop a relationship with your professor and they teach you things and you teach things to your peers and you get to go through your your degree with this group of people that you slowly mm-hmm. become friends with and you find a community and mm-hmm. all of these things are vanishing now and so yeah, totally. so, I, so I think something's going to end up filling that vacuum uh-huh. Um, I, I'm, my, my aim is to be a part of that vacuum filler, which I mm-hmm. think would be a lot of fun. And, and so, so I think that people can develop their skills outside of a, of an institution. You can learn Absolutely. how to do, Absolutely. You, you can learn how to do home improvement on YouTube. Yeah. You, yep. you can practice all of these things and redo your entire house. And then you can, and then you can start to, if you become good enough, something people are going to pay mm-hmm. you for it. There's mm-hmm. not there's there's not this there's this fallacy that you that the people will give you things if you have a piece of paper you have experience but if you have yeah. but if you have skills that nothing can like nobody's going to hire you nobody's going to not hire you if you have all of the skills that they could ask for and more true, so true. so i think that the more that you learn and the more that you increase your capacity to learn and mm-hmm. your ability to learn then yeah. you're going to be more and more desirable to anyone who would like to have you. anyone, anyone. Yeah. And you're absolutely right, man. And like, for me, you know, like what I, I realized this thought actually came to me while I was sleeping one night is that like, um, for example, man, like, you know, um, in a hypothetical situation, let's say a person, normal person who is making hundred thousand dollars a year loses his job. And mm-hmm. like, he has mortgage on his head. He has his car payments on his head. He has XYZ expenses lined up, right? Mm-hmm. And let's say there are like no jobs. The unemployment rate is super high. What are you going to do? Like there's nothing to do, right? Mm-hmm. There's no nothing to fall back onto. Whereas like, let's say if you have a skill, if you're a plumber, if you if you know how to fix cars, mm-hmm. something goes down, you can go to people's house. Or if you know, like 
if you're good at polishing cars you can go knock people's door that hey you know i'll polish your car in 30 minutes 50 bucks right mm-hmm. so there's that skill set you can survive so it mm-hmm. comes back brings back to the you know topic of survival mm-hmm. so is there so the question i think people should be asking themselves is that do we or do they have the capability to survive if shit goes down right mm-hmm. like like let's say if if hypothetically i'm hypothetically i'm working for a it firm and i don't know what's my backup plan and shit goes down the question i would be asking myself hey in the worst case scenario if like there's no job i if i lose my job can i survive right do you think like i think like lots of people are not focusing on this because because of the way like the universities or school bring up education they focus more on like you know getting that piece of paper that hey you need this degree to get this job mm-hmm. but they kind of like shorten the scope of their thinking their vision that hey what's what's beyond beyond the job thing right what's what's beyond the scope of getting a job is there like something else which you can achieve rather than like you know just focusing on that one like dogma where like everyone is focused so much on jobs what do you think like you know what are what are your like thoughts on that yeah there's this there's this growing there there's a growing desire i think that people have for self actualization mm-hmm. so people want to be the best versions of themselves and yeah. to be happy in doing that i think I think happiness is a difficult thing to chase because I think that it's oh, momentary. Oh, super difficult. But but people want to be content with correct with their lives. Correct. Yeah. And a lot of that is for for a lot of people I I think that that can't be achieved in a day-to-day desk job. Mhm. I think the more and more we've been provided with opportunities and avenues that will allow people yeah. to thrive outside of those environments. Correct. Correct. I think TikTok is a really really fun interesting example of that where mm-hmm. people that there hasn't really been a a a market for hyper creative textile people. Yeah. So my girlfriend is super into sewing and and textile work and pottery and uh-huh. and, and now there's this area where people can really dive into those those interests. and yeah. market themselves in in a way that they can survive while doing something that they can love they they slowly become self actualized through that yeah. absolutely man mm-hmm. and tiktok is crazy man like this one dude like uh, i think his name was dogface this dude like made millions man just like skateboarding um, mm-hmm. on on his like like just on his skateboard drinking like i think some vodka or something and like he got like millions man like mm-hmm. he went viral so it's it's super easy like you know to to make money nowadays if you got the knack for it right mm-hmm. and then um, i also believe that there are like positives and drawbacks to social media because i nowadays feel that people for people it's easier to say than to do right like people talk big words but then when it comes to follow up with actions uh, a lot of people are following short on that like what, what do you think like what, why why do you think that that's happening i th- i think that's always been a, an issue i think that that's uh i think large aspirations and falling short on follow through is uh-huh. not not only something that's been happening in the past 10 years since social media has 
has evolved, but I think that that's something that humans have done for, for forever because it feels really good to say, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to take down that lion to actually take down that lion is really, really tough. You have to, you have to have a a particular skill set and a drive to do that thing. And, and it's tough to learn those skills to, to be conscientious is something that's quite stable. It's, Mm -hmm. you can change Mm -hmm. it, you can move it, but it's, it's something that's difficult to change. It's one of those, it's a, it's one of those neural pathways. How long can you sit down at a desk for and just work? How many jobs can you work at the same time? Yeah. Even if it's something that still yeah. actualizes you, how can you, if you have all of these interests, let's say you want to be a writer and a content developer and a gardener and, mm-hmm. and this and that, and that your ability to sit down and, and write and develop content and, and research and garden all of those things your work ethic plays a role into that. So it is really to say, Hey, I'm going to go do this thing. But for me, it's more about what's the process like, how do I get better at doing those things? Mm -hmm, How do I I become better at, at being conscientious at working? Uh How can I sit down Uh at a desk for longer and study? How can Mm -hmm. I optimize my time? How can I, and it's, and it's not only because you can't, you can't just do those things. It's really tough to sit down and do the same thing for 16 hours a day. I, yeah. I think that more and more we're going to find that there are mechanisms such as breath that will allow us to optimize our time between focus and relaxation. Uh-huh. So mm-hmm. how do you, how do you most optimally relax? How do you most optimally concentrate? And for me, I've found that that's a lot of that's through breath work. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's, that's good to know, man. So I think like uh, you mentioned a lot, like meditation is something which really, really, really plays a key role uh, in like, you know, your self-development. Mm-hmm. I, I personally like used to meditate a lot before, but then I slowly like, you know, um, kind of like got out of it. But I think like now uh, talking to you, man, I actually feel inspired to, you know, get back into meditation because I, I feel that I miss miss that like kind of like focus and you know power of mm-hmm. self realization to be present in the moment, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than like just like phasing out, zoning out in your brain, like to be present in the moment. Mm-hmm. I think I I really miss that that feeling as opposed to like when I used to have that when I used to meditate. So I think that's something I'm going to work on, man. Mm-hmm. Meditation is something very powerful. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm glad that you're getting back into it. Full disclosure, I, I totally ebb and flow in and out of my meditation practices. Sometimes I won't meditate for when I was playing volleyball in Europe. I, I didn't uh-huh. really meditate. I, there was a lot of other stuff going on. I was working uh-huh. like three jobs at the same time. And, and I, 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 I found that it was more beneficial for me to come home and turn on the TV and basically fall asleep than to sit down and <laughs> yeah. meditate. It, it, it takes a lot of it's one thing to be motivated to do something and it's another thing to be have the intrinsic desire to go forward and dive into something to an extent where at the end of it you're going to be your best self those True. are two those are two totally different areas yeah. where if you're motivated that's you listen to a you listen to an audio clip on youtube and you go whoa i'm mm-hmm. jacked i'm ready to go to the gym <laughs> whereas yeah. when you wake up and that audio is not there yeah, that that has to come from somewhere inside. So, so for me, it's, it's not true. it's not a constant ebb and it's, it's it is an ebb and flow. Uh-huh. It's this we have these crefts and these troughs of doing the things that are good for us. But yeah, I think as long as you know what's good for you, and as long as uh-huh. you know where you want to go, then you can slowly push yourself back into it. I've been meditating a lot more lately, which I think has helped a lot. 
but yeah. it's really easy to, when, when things stop being tough, it's easy to uh-huh. let go of the things that got you to that space. That's true. Mm-hmm. Very well said, man. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. Wow. Even like cold showers, man. Like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I remember like we really connected on talking about cold showers back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> I still take cold showers every day, man. I think like that's something which uh, really, really gets me through my day. Mm-hmm. Because you, you you do the most tough, toughest thing in the morning, man. Like you start mm-hmm. your morning with so much like stress on your body. And then everything like slowly, you know, nothing can phase you out. Nothing can like, you know, um, move you. Yeah. Like, nothing can like stop you from like pursuing that thing. So I think cold showers is something which really helps me. But meditation is, I think, the next thing I should incorporate in yeah. my lifestyle. I think we talked Even about that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We talked about that a lot initially with the cold showers was starting your day on the floor. Like if, you mm-hmm. have a, if you have a floor of your mood, like that cold yeah. shower is your hell. And everything yeah, yeah. up from yeah, there yeah. is yeah. ascending to heaven, basically. I, I remember, man, like you used to take those fucking ice baths in the interior. Yeah. Remember yeah. it? Yeah, that was good, man. I think I, I feel that like, you know, uh, in one person's like lifetime, people should fucking take part in one sport. Mm-hmm. Sports actually, you know, builds the character and gives you, give you gives you the mental toughness, right? Mm-hmm. To be prepared for uh, and gives you the discipline to be pre- prepared for life uh, mm-hmm. moving forward. So really, really, really feel that like students like sh- throughout their life should play one sport at least. Mm-hmm. Well, even the team aspect of you, you learn how to, you learn how to deal with interpersonal conflict. If mm-hmm, you put, mm-hmm. if you put 12, 20 guys into a room together, 12, 20 yeah. girls, they're going to be people that disagree and you have to find a way to, to deal with that. You have to, yeah. you have to be able to say to people, Hey, I don't agree with what you're saying, but I respect mm-hmm. you and mm-hmm. I respect what you're Correct. doing and, and let's learn how to grow together because you're all, you're all moving towards the same goal. And I, I think that's an issue with, with politics right now, the political climate is that people are either saying it's this or that. And I really think it's somewhere in the middle. I don't think that everyone here is right. And I don't think that everyone here is right, but I think that there are enough truths in both of them that we can meet somewhere in the middle. In the middle. Yeah. But, but if you, I mean, I mean with the team, you're forced into a room with those people and you have to, you have to come to some kind of conclusion where you say, Hey, I agree with this. I don't agree with that, yeah. but let's, yeah. let's work together to get this thing. Let's work together to be the best version of ourselves and to yeah. accomplish this thing that we're looking at down the road. Yeah. And I think being also, in the same room helps, but also I feel uh, it makes you a bigger person also, right? Like you learn how to adjust with others mm-hmm. or like sometimes like there's something which you want, but you kind of like, you know, uh, put your wants down towards to let like other people's wants up. Mm-hmm. Like did did that happen to you? Like ever like in sports, like where like you had like you know let go of something you wanted just to make sure that your teammates are happier because something they had something different they wanted, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. There, I think I got better at it towards the end of my my time, but uh-huh. being able being able to put yourself to the side and being able to put your ego to the side for a little bit. Uh huh and support the people around you and want the best for the people around you. And, that, and that's really tough. That's, that's going against that's that, intrinsic, yeah. that, that intrinsic desire to, to be great, to be the absolute best. And sometimes it's uh-huh. just a little, it's a little shift in your perspective of saying, yeah, I'm going to be great at this rather than uh-huh. I'm going to be great at this. 
Uh-huh. So, so maybe it's an internal perspective change, but I think that, yeah. that it's unbelievably difficult to to put other people at the forefront. And I mean, that's I assume what it's like to have a kid. Like you, you have to you have to change your entire life, and this person yeah. is the this is the this this person means more than you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like the one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And in sports, you you have to do that a lot, where you're sometimes people play roles. I've played roles in the past where. Yeah. I had to be someone that would come in off the bench and was expected to do a job. Yeah. And it's not a glamorous job or anything like that, but you, the, and if you show up more and more and more and more and you consistently get better in your role, then occasionally you start to overtake people that are ahead of you. But it starts Absolutely. off as just as playing yeah. a role for the team and being just doing your job. You don't have mm-hmm. to worry about yeah. the big things and everyone else. You just have to worry about doing your job to the best of your capability not worrying about mm-hmm. other people. And then once you can do that, then you can start to worry about other people and say, Hey, I think that you're doing this. I think that you would, I think that we would benefit as a team if you did this a little bit better, yeah. or if you change yeah. your technique here, or there, or so, something along those lines. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, uh, it was a really good session today, man. Yeah, man. It was good it, to catch man. up. Yeah. yeah, it was good to catch up, bro. I miss you, man. Like, uh, when will you be back in Kamloops? I'll come visit you. It's been I'm, a long time. I'm back here now, but um, I have to. So you're so, leaving for Arizona, uh, Arizona soon, right? Yeah, so I'm leaving next Friday. Um, I would consider it essential travel because I'm learning how to walk again. Uh, <laughs> so, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm heading down there next week. But I'll let you know when I'm back around in town and we can get together. Sounds good, man. Uh, yeah. Well, it was good catching up. So, when are you back? You said 90 days? Are you going for three months? I'm, I'm aiming for two right now. Uh, we'll see what travel restrictions look like. Okay. But I'll, I'll keep you in the loop. I'm sure, we'll, I'm sure we'll keep in touch. Yeah, yeah. Let's keep in touch, man. And then, uh, once you're back, let's like uh, get back onto this, man. Get like some mm-hmm. more good things. I think I, I really need to work on... Uh, on like the flow of my speech and like the wordings because that's something which you mentioned in the like at the very start mm-hmm. and you'd like uh, really work on that so this this really gave me a good good sense of a demo mm-hmm. of like you know how how to work on things and what things i need to work on yeah oh it's any it's suggestions tough, man, yeah. man any suggestions for me like you know moving forward because like since you'll be gone for like two months i'll have some time to prepare mm-hmm. so anything you suggest i should i should work on to like get better better uh, watch this. Watch this. Watch, watch this. Yeah, watch this video, watch and I'm sure there'll be things that stick out to you like a sore thumb. That you go, I want to change that. I want to change that. I want to yeah. change that. Like just, just study yourself. Okay. Awesome, mm-hmm. man. Loved it, bro. Mm-hmm. It was good to talk to you, brother. Love you. It was amazing talking to you, Josh. Thanks for this, bro. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I'll, yeah. I'll talk to you soon. I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely, man. Take care. Uh, give your mom my love and uh, travel safe, bro. Yeah. Thanks a lot, brother. Love you. Yeah. Love you, bro. Take care. Bye. Bye.